state of city or you cream or you cream a multitude of people i mean it's just like like you put all the off- offensive players in one bag and i just take a baseball bat and beat on the bag so each time he came over there i tried to tear his damn head off let's play some football let's play some football the pressure is on this is off the edge on tide 100.9 focus on what you want to do what you want to accomplish Think about that. Don't think about how you feel, how tired you are, how hot it is. You got to push yourself on the field when you're playing football. It's my honor to present the national championship trophy to Coach Nick Saban and the Alabama Crimson Tide. To me, this is the ultimate team. All these guys bought into everything they needed to do to be the best players that they could be. There's more togetherness on this team than almost any team that we've ever had. And they had to overcome and persevere so much adversity through this season. And they've done it magnificently. And I'm so proud of this group for what they've been able to accomplish in going undefeated and winning the national championship. Streaming live on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, and the Tide 100.9 app. Here is your host of Off the Edge, Jacob Harrison. Hello there, good morning, welcome in to Off the Edge, Tide 100.9, your home for Alabama Crimson Tide Sports. Jacob Harrison hanging out with you today, digital managing editor, Town Square Media, Tuscaloosa, Mason Woods, Kate Blackwell, Bagwell, Bagwell, I got, see, it's Thursday, we usually have Joey Blackwell on, we won't today, uh, if you know who Buff Bagwell is, though, and I imagine you probably do, that's what I think of every time I see your name. So that's why I should remember that. We also have Joe Gaither back there hanging out with us as well. Full house behind the glass. Where we're going to start today, and I, I would appreciate phone calls, 205-342-9904. If you have a different concern or maybe a way that you can see where the worry on the offensive line can actually be resolved. Now, obviously, the offensive line 
you know, th- there is no middle of summer. What's your biggest concern about Alabama? You can't do that show. You can't because the same answer will be repeated over and over and over again. It's the offensive line. There may be a few people a tad bit more worried about the wide receivers, and I'll give you that. That's an understandable point to have, but if you don't have a good offensive line, you can't get to the wide receivers in the first place, right? And I think it's an understandable space to be in to be overly concerned about the offensive line, but I take you back a couple of years, right? Last year, there wasn't really a whole lot that we were worried about heading into the season. Uh, Turns out there should have been a couple of things that we should have been worried about. We didn't realize, I don't think, quite that much that the offensive line was going to be the problem that it became. A lot of the question marks surrounded, was Jamison Williams going to be a real deal? What was the running game going to look like? And was Bryce Young going to be as advertised? And all three of those questions were answered very easily against Miami. It was a long process to understand that the offensive line really wasn't all that good. But two years ago, heading into the 2020 season, which, I mean, it's up there with one of the greatest Alabama teams, period, of all time. And my question heading into that season, I'll never forget that season. My biggest question was about the pass rush. Remember, coming into that season, Alabama had one and a half sacks. One and a half sacks returning. After Terrell Lewis was gone and there had been a lot of over uh, turnover at the position, it was down to Chris Allen and Ben Davis as the only returning players off the edge linebacker position that had sacks. And they had one and a half the season before. Incoming were three five-star freshmen, one named Drew Sanders, one named Chris Braswell, and the other named Will Anderson. Will Anderson won the job opposite of Chris Allen and dominated. Something changed within the formula of Nick Saban's defense, and when you get that one guy, things explode. Now, Drew Sanders is no longer here. Chris Braswell is well on his way to becoming a, a good player. Enter Dallas Turner, and now there's no question. Alabama? in 2022, has the best pass rush in all of college football. And nobody can really fight you on that. So what are the odds that something like that could happen on the offensive line? I mean, you have more positions, right? Something's got to give. And you've got two brand-new additions to the starting lineup in Tyler Steen, the transfer from Vanderbilt, going to play left tackle, most likely, and J.C. Latham, former number one overall player in in his recruiting class, he's probably going to play right tackle. And on the interior, I think that's where you feel pretty good, especially with all of the experience that Javion Cohen and Emil Akior bring. At center, you've got two guys that you can feel marginally uh, good about. I feel better about Seth McLaughlin than I do Darian Dalcourt, but if Darian somehow wins the job, I'm not, I'm not throwing a fit. Is there a chance that maybe we're blowing this whole thing out of proportion on this offensive line. And you'll say, Jacob, well, you were at a day. You saw that offensive line play. I did. I did. I saw that offensive play, offensive line play without Tyler Steen. Well, Jacob, 
you were pretty critical of Tyler Steen all through. I did. I was. And I was ignorant to a lot of things about Tyler Steen. Now, I haven't turned on the film or anything to, to sway an opinion. It's more or less just a maybe Nick Saban knows what the hell he's doing kind of thought. You know, maybe this is something that, that can take care of itself. You bring in a new offensive line coach. I'll be honest. I've never been a big fan of Doug Marone, and that's nothing against the person. I just, I don't get it, right? That offensive line had more talent than what it displayed last year. Yes, Chris Owens was out of position, but still, it really was not a whole lot of excuse for that offensive line to be the way that it was. Because again, the three returning players on this offensive line are three guys that you should feel pretty good about, technically four. And then Evan Neal was good enough to be the the seventh overall pick in the NFL draft. And honestly, was good enough to be the first overall pick in the NFL draft, had the needs swayed that way. That offensive line should have been better. And you can't put any of that blame on Bryce Young. He was not doing the Tua Tonga Valoa thing where he held onto the ball too long. That's not what happened. It happened from time to time. When I discussed things that he needed to improve on a couple of weeks ago, I brought that up, but it's not some glaring flaw in his game. The only glaring flaw is his genetics that keep him sub six foot. Overall, I look at this offensive line and I wonder, should we really be all that worried about its pass protecting ability and maybe do turn some of that focus over to the wide receivers because of the amount of unknown there? And, another, and what I'm honestly more worried about when it comes to Alabama than the offensive line, than the wide receivers, is the fact of the matter of what this schedule is. Texas is good, don't get me wrong. But with the schedule laid out the way that it is, Alabama's got a pretty easy start to the season. And they don't have to play teams with dominating front sevens on defense. As good as Texas is, a lot of their productivity, a lot of... What makes them good is on offense with Steve Sarkeesian, the quarterbacks that they've got by John Robinson is absolutely insane. Their offensive line is good. Their wide receivers are capable. You know, that's what makes Texas dangerous. It's not some front seven. They don't have, you know, I mean, Ben Davis was on that team last year, you know, no, no thrown, no stones thrown, but I mean, that's kind of the talent level of where their defense has been throughout this entire thing. Are we, Kind of blowing that one out of proportion a little bit. I think it's a possibility. There's a lot to like about Tyler Steen. There's supposed to be a lot to like about J.C. Latham. And while I've said in the past, and I still hold to this belief, you're not going to go from mediocre to elite over the course of a spring and a summer. It's not possible. If you consider the offensive line to be mediocre, then it can probably get to good over the summer. And then going through the season, it may look great because the strength of schedule isn't there. And then you get blindsided in the playoffs. That's a worry that I have, right? I don't think there's going to be a whole lot week one against Utah state that you're going to be able to pull away from. I don't think against Texas, there's going to be a whole lot to be able to pull away from there either, because while Texas is on the, on the incline and we can talk about Texas a little bit later too, and what they're doing on the recruiting scene in preparation to join the SEC, they aren't back yet. Arch Manning 
you know, that's one guy. Quinn Ewers, it's one guy. Bijan Robinson, it's one guy. You go beyond that, right? You keep going, then you play Vanderbilt, and come on, these all these teams that Alabama can handle without having an elite offensive line, without having an elite wide receiving core, but still having the best quarterback in the Southeast, at the very least, and a great running game behind Jameer Gibbs and Jace McClellan, Roydell Williams, and Trey Sanders. There's a lot to like about the makeup of the offense and where it's going to go from there. Let's head out to the phone line and welcome our friend Max at Tupelo into the show. What's going on, Max? Doing all right? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Man, have you seen Texas A&M's new recruiting video that just came out on Bleacher Report? Yeah, Mason showed that to me. I didn't, uh, the, the sound quality is not all there, so I wasn't going to throw it on the air, but I probably was going to make fun of them. Uh, getting a lot of money from the people behind these suits, if you decide to come here, is what one of these assistant coaches said to a group of recruits right there on Kyle Field as he pointed up into the high-dollar boxes around the stadium <laughs> yeah <laughs> but Jimbo just gets beside himself when Nick Saban points that out that was hilarious to me I mean it's it's the age of NIL and look I mean, Jimbo's a human being how many times did we get all fired up because somebody pointed out something true about us that we just didn't want to acknowledge right <laughs> I mean I, I think I think Jimbo does need to kind of look this one in in the in the mirror and say oh boy Oh boy, because this isn't cheating. Like it's cheating, but it's it's really not. I mean, it's nil because you're not. What that video doesn't do is say, "Here's an offer if you join a And What it says is these boosters and these people that come here are going to contribute to your nil when you're here. It's not a promise. It's not an offer, and therefore it's not cheating. At least in my perspective, it could be viewed somewhat differently somewhere else, but. That's the thing. With NIL, it was always going to be incorporated in recruiting and health. Nick Saban was the first one to do it when he mentioned how much Bryce Young made last year at SEC Media Days. Right, and that's not what NIL was supposed to be, and Jimbo didn't cheat because there are no laws or rules around it. It's just, here you go. Yeah, you can pay a player. and So there's nothing that's preventing these guys to giving this money to a high school kid just to come to their school. So, no, there wasn't cheating involved. It was just funny to me that he got all beside himself that Saban pointed that out, and then here's a guy on a recruiting video with Texas A&M gear all over him, pretty much telling him, if you choose to come here, you're going to be making a lot of money. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I think it's an understood, too. Uh, and, and I wonder, because to me, yeah, high school val- high school players do create their own value while they're in high school. That's why they're recruited by the big programs. And to me, if you're, you're you're able to earn the right to have a scholarship, you probably earn the right to be able to be paid right out the gate as well. It's the same thing as you know going to the NFL. You haven't played a snap in the NFL, but you've accrued value for yourself that allows one of those franchises to invest in you long term in its future and pay you a lot of money up front to to do it and i think there's there's something to that effect there but no matter what you go to one of these big programs you already know you're going to be making money 
as long as you're able to get on the field and be productive, somebody's going to want to pay you for your performance. And they were going to do it before. Now they have free reign to do it. So, ah, it, it, it's kind of it's kind of silly, honestly. You know, still looking back on that whole situation for Jimbo to get as fired up as he did, and all Saban did was use examples to say this isn't sustainable. Exactly. There really wasn't much for Jimbo to get as fired up about as as he did. Was it good for sports radio and our business and to have something fun to talk about in the middle of the offseason? Sure, but it, it really wasn't viable for, for a middle-aged man to get up there and yell about skeletons and closets and not actually bring them to the forefront, making it a complete non-issue. I, it was also good for a complete absolute ass-whooping on October 8th. It was good for that <laughs> I think that one's coming anyway. Uh, absolutely. But no, on a different note, man, I think uh, all of us, myself included, I think we have kind of jumped the gun on this offensive line. I think Coach Wolf is going to be the difference. Doug Marone, I'm with you, man. I was never a fan of that guy. I don't think he knew how to coach college athletes. He he knows how to coach the pros. Okay, fine, but this is a different animal. You got to approach it differently. And I think there was a problem there. There was a disconnect there. And Coach Wolf is a fiery guy. That's what needs to happen. And and I think he's going to make a huge difference. And I think we'll see it because there's a huge amount of talent on that offensive line. The, the, the physical ability is there. So if they're guided the correct way and in the right direction, which I think Coach Wolf can do, he proved that at Kentucky with lesser talent, uh, I think we'll see a difference. And with the amount of talent that we've got in that wide receiver room, I, I Logic just tells me one of those kids is going to come out of their shell. And I mean, one of the younger kids, uh, Corey Brooks showed flashes of coming out of his shell last year, but, uh, Leary or Jojo Earl or Holden, one of those kids is going to step out. And if the Burton and Harold can just kind of hold their own and one of them can be a deep threat, I think we're going to be okay there too. Well, I'll say Burton is probably going to be the deep threat. He's got deep threat ability. He's, he's fast as hell. And I I, I go back to this and why I think he's going to be relied upon so much. Go back to the first two plays of A-Day. A quick RPO straight to Burton. Second play, five-step drop, launch it deep to Burton. I think he's going to be overly valued in in that space. And I don't think that Tyler Harrell is necessarily going to be like the next J-Mo. If he is, great. I just don't think he will be. Uh, J-Mo's much more of a polished wide receiver who is a deep threat than just run straight and catch the ball, um, which has, which has its value. It's just not overly usable. Uh, but I think Trey Sean Holden's probably going to be that guy opposite of Jermaine Burton. And he's fully capable of being valuable to the offense. Uh, but I'm with you. Ja'Cory Brooks has got to step up. Christian Leary has got to step up. Maybe one of these freshmen uh, step up as well, like a Kendrick law or somebody. Cause look, there's reps there. You just got to want them. And back to the offensive line, I love Coach Wofford. I think he is very, very good at what he does. Look at the guys that have been drafted from the Kentucky offensive line over the past couple of seasons while he's been there. Then go back through his resume and the places that he's been. All of those offensive lines have been talented as well. And if we want to point to A-Day so much, even with the understanding that you know Tyler Steen wasn't a part of that offensive line group, that's only after just a couple of weeks of working with Coach Wofford. So if a full summer comes through, you learn a couple of new things. Again, you're not going to go from mediocre to elite, but you can improve to a point where this offense can be, you know, its max potential 
by having a, a competent offensive line in front of one of the best quarterbacks in the country and a fantastic running game to boot while you figure out who those wide receivers are going to be. Yeah, and if Burton is what you say he possibly can be, and I believe you, it's only going to open up the opportunity for uh, for a Kendrick Law or a JoJo Earl or Ja'Cory Brooks. And from like, the videos I've seen, that Kendrick Law kid is a blazer, bro. He can absolutely get it. Oh, yeah. So, but, uh, you know, that opens it up. And, and like you said, a, a whole summer under Coach Wolf. Uh, I think these, this offensive line, with that amount of time for him, is going to play with the attitude because uh, some of the kids we got, that, you know, with the talent they have, they have more talent in their fingernail than some of those Kentucky offensive linemen that he was coaching. And that Kentucky offensive line was really good. So I, I, I think we got a lot of room for optimism here. You know, we, we got a lot of reason for optimism, should I say. I think we're going to be okay, man, because we know the defensive side of the ball is going to be locked down, potentially one of the best defenses we've ever seen. Yeah, <laughs> the defense is going to be absolutely insane. I, I think there should be more room for optimism, but it should be tempered just a tad simply because of how easy the schedule is. Don't want to get knocked in the face in the playoffs like we did in 2018 when we found out that offensive line wasn't all there and that defense wasn't all there. Uh, but with this team, I think there's a lot more to be to feel really good about, and it's not just because other teams settled down and because the schedule is so easy, it's because there's actually a lot of talent here and a good coaching staff. I appreciate it, Max. Thank you. You had to bring up 18, uh, 2018. It hurt my feelings, didn't you? I, I did. I did. I'm sorry. It hurt my feelings, oh. too. I mean, that was right before I started here. You know, I was talking yeah. to Fowler, and, and Fowler went out there to, to go see it. And the, my first day as an intern here was the day after we got our asses handed to us by Clemson that time. <laughs> yeah. Well, one, one more thing. You were talking about the schedule. We do have some tough road games, though. Those road games, there's some stumbling stumbling blocks there. You know, Tennessee, Ole Miss, that, that's, that could be a little dangerous. Arkansas, you I think, know, we, we got to I'll give you Tennessee. I'll, I'll give you Tennessee. Tennessee's the team that scares the hell out of me. Uh, Ole Miss? No, not – I mean, that that's where uh, all those USC quarterbacks transferred. That's where Jackson Dart went, right? All right, Jackson Dart – that's something, but if Lane couldn't get it done with Matt Corral, <laughs> which is the best quarterback he's had, and I, I'm not so sure that Jackson Dart is so much better than Matt Corral. Um, I'm kind of in a kid though. What's that? I think it's the Altamire kid. I don't think Jackson Dart's going to start. Bro. You think? Yeah, I think it's that Altamire kid. And I hate to tell you this, I'm in Oxford right now, so I'm going to have to talk kind of low so nobody hears me. <laughs> <laughs> you don't want to give all the secrets away. I mean, I'm, right. I'm much more worried about Tennessee than I am Ole Miss. With Arkansas, I really like KJ Jefferson. He's an he's an insane athlete, a good quarterback. I got to see how he performs without Traylon Burks for a little while first. You know that that I mean, Traylon Burks was there, Amari Cooper. He, yeah, exactly. <laughs> he was the absolutely. lifeblood of that offense. Without him, you know, when when he was hurt against Alabama, you know. That's when they struggled. So when he fought through it, that's when they were able to kind of fight back a little bit. So they really, really need him. So I'm not so so stressed about Arkansas and Ole Miss. They are good teams. I think Alabama just wins outright. Maybe not blow them out. Tennessee, that's the one that scares me. <laughs> well, I'm worried about anybody's offense against our defense anyway. But right, I'll let you go. Right. Thanks for the time, dude. Roll Tide. Absolutely, Max. Take it easy. Be safe in Oxford. <laughs> you're in, you're in dangerous territory, my friend. They're out for blood out there, hotty toddy. And and I mean, 
that there's no way that that entire city has flushed the jelly, uh, excuse me, jelly, jello shots out of their system yet. So they're still partying after winning their first ever national championship of any kind. Ole Miss did when they won the College World Series. We'll take a break and come back. 205-342-9904 if you have thoughts on the offensive line, the the worrisome nature of Crimson Tide fans heading into the 2022 college football season here on Off the Edge. Tide 100.9, your home for Alabama Crimson Tide Sports. Hello, this is Martin Houston with Awakening, and I want to invite you to join us this Thursday, June 30th at 6.30 for an intimate time of worship and powerful preaching. Awakening is a community-wide service with no church affiliation, just a place where you can come worship God, hear great preaching, and fellowship with fellow believers. This Thursday at the link 610 Watermelon Road or watch online at Empowerment Ministries. On- Looking for something for the kids to do? Send them to the Sanderson Basketball Academy, July 11 through 14, 9 a.m. to 1 p.m. You can email me at barrysanderson at hotmail.com. I'll send you a flyer. Let the kids learn to play the right way. Do it at the Sanderson Basketball Academy out at Tuscaloosa Academy. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. A mixture of clouds and sunshine this afternoon with scattered showers and storms around through the evening hours. The high today, 89. Tonight's low, 71. Tomorrow, partially sunny. Scattered showers and storms developing again by afternoon. The high, 88. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 82 degrees in Tuscaloosa. You're listening to Off the Edge on Tide 100.9. Here on Off the Edge, Tide 100.9, your home for Alabama Crimson Tide Sports. Jacob Harrison hanging out with you. Cade Bagwell, Mason Woods, Joe Gay, they're all behind the glass helping us out. 205-342-9904. If you've got uh, some thoughts on the worrisome nature Crimson Tide fans have about the offensive line, is it blown out of proportion? Should we be that worried? I think it is slightly blown out of proportion. I think there's something there to... Uh, maybe cling on to as far as hope goes. Uh, and, and Max brought an excellent point to the table about Coach Walford coming in. Uh, those Kentucky offensive lines for the past several years, I mean, really, it, it starts with Bob Stoops on that one. You know, the, the culture of Kentucky football is, is very much a smash mouth one. And the trench players there have been good for a good long while. I mean, how many times did we say it last season? You know, Kentucky can throw the ball. Like it, it was such a shock to us yeah. that they could actually complete passes last year. I mean, that, that's the th- that's what's funny about Will Levis. He's getting a lot of love just for being the first guy in a long time to be able to do something there. <laughs> I mean, it, it's it's in their culture though. Have great offensive lines, run the ball, 
And they've done a fantastic job of that. And they've put a lot of guys in the NFL. And I think they had like three guys drafted into the NFL last year uh, off of that offensive line. And Darian Kennard was, was the leading guy uh, who's a very versatile guy could play inside and out. And, and take that knowledge and, and again, look back on his resume and you'll see a guy who's been, who's had successful offensive lines damn near everywhere he's been. And then you go in and look at a day and say, okay, well, they weren't exactly flashing. They weren't exactly doing anything good, good, you know, on the, the surface, it's more of a, ah, uh, they're, they're struggling, you know, they're not quite getting it. But they have only been with their coach for a short period of time, right? And it was the most problematic position group on the entire team. That's not a problem that gets solved immediately. So give it through the summer. Let Tyler Steen get here and be ingrained and be a part of that offensive line. Let J.C. Latham get onto the starting lineup and have some experience in that space. I mean, there's something there to like and to be a tad bit more hopeful of when it comes to the Alabama Crimson Tide offensive line. Well, we've done all this work in praising Kentucky, so let's talk with Jeff in Tennessee. What's going on, Jeff? Mr. Harrison, how you doing? I'm doing all right. I just want to ask you, did you hear the uh, interview that uh, Griff did with Mr. Pruitt? Have you heard that? No. He, uh, he did it. He did. I missed uh, um, uh, uh, another Alabama State this morning. And they, they played, I guess it was a couple of days ago or when they did it, but he was talking about being in Tennessee, and he basically said that he never, I think, so many words, he said he never believed anything Fulmer told him like when he was in Tennessee. I wouldn't so, do that either. <laughs> Hell, Fulmer told his whole fan base that, that the Vols were back, and he, and he, and he lied. I mean, he's a bit premature. I mean, maybe they will be soon, but. <laughs> well, I mean, wait, I mean he, 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 got, he got fired from winning the Natty, so, you know, he wouldn't be. Kentucky got transferred. Yeah, they got, they, got, they got one guy from San Houston State, got a guy from Tennessee, running back. Both of them running backs? Yeah, both. Yeah, the guy from San Houston State, they won the, the title when they played in that spring. You had COVID. 
He played play for Sam Houston. He transferred from Sam Houston. They only have one. He's a grad transfer. The other guy is Beckwith. I think his name's D. Beckwith. He's from Tennessee. He transferred to Kentucky. He's got three years of eligibility left. He's about 6'5", about 230, 235, something like that. He's going to be a running back. He can play other positions, too, but he's a running back. So, But uh, all the Tennessee fans are saying, well, he ain't seen the field, no way. He, you know, he can go over and blah, 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 you know. You know, I don't, you know, I don't told you before, they, they call Vandy Candy. They call Kentucky Kentucky. So that's what they do. So <laughs> that's all they call us that, you know. But like I just said, we, we don't do things like we lose in tournament. I guess with that Chandler guy, we don't cry in the coach's arm, we lose. So we don't cry in our arms. We don't, you know, he missed a jump shot and the arena lights go out. He's crying in Jawan Hired's arms. So we don't do that we lose. We just go on, take our take our loss, be done with it. So we don't, you know, we don't put around. We don't, we don't, we don't throw things on the field, you know. We don't do that. But uh, I was gonna say I did have another version of, of a trashy deal. Would you like to hear it? Absolutely. Always oh, love man. your musical talents, Jeff. Well, I don't know about musical talent, but I some some people say I, I do have a writing talent. I don't know about no music talent or not. But uh, but, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I'll uh, I'll I'll uh, I'll, I'll, I'll uh, see. Uh, Arches, Cade. That's that's the joke. <laughs> well, well I, I guess it, I guess I don't know, but but uh, but uh, I guess it, they must be needing the big back quarter passes. But I guess we, nine months from now we'll name him. Or name him Golden Arches. How about Golden Arches, Manning? Golden Arches. You know, I think you've already figured out what Arch Manning's nil opportunity should be. 
Well, yeah, it should be free Big Macs for life. <laughs> there's one guy. There's one guy that's already he's he, he's had a Big Mac for every year for the last 30, 30, 40 years. He's had over thirty thousand in his lifetime. He's four or five a day. They say it. It's about a while back. Won't, won't be long pounds. before we go into McDonald's to order a, a McManning. Yeah, well, that's right. Exactly, exactly, exactly. A, a McManning, or, or their name is said at McDonald's. Their name is the McArches. I mean, the McArches when you go off in there. The McArches. I mean. So y'all, y'all have a good day, and, and T, T for Texas, T for Tennessee. Have a good day, guys. See you. Absolutely, Jeff. Take it easy. Arch Manning. We're, we're, just, we're making money for Arch Manning on Tide 100.9 right now. Dude, I don't want the Big Mac. I want a 10-piece. Give me that Arch special with a 10-piece and some fries. <laughs> Come on now. I mean, maybe that... That may be the McManning in some form is you get a burger and chicken nugs in kind of unison, you know, maybe go absolutely wild and throw some nugs on the Big Mac. That's the Arch Manning special. That's the McManning right there. If it's not, it's the McHarrison. That's for damn sure. (laughs) Arch Manning is definitely just a McChicken guy. I'm <laughs> you say that it, it puts to mind that he's actually probably the classic sub chicken sandwich from Burger King, which is just really, really plain. <laughs> it's just a, a weird chicken patty with mayonnaise and lettuce, and that's it. Like that that's Arch Manning. <laughs> All right, we'll take a break and come back, continue the conversation here on Off the Edge, tied one hundred point nine, your home for Alabama Crimson Tide Sports. This is a Town Square Media Tide 100.9 sports update. The Alabama Crimson Tide is on fire on the recruiting trail. On Tuesday evening, the Tide received a commitment from four-star wide receiver Cole Adams. Adams is the fourth prospect to commit to the Tide this week, following JUCO linebacker Justin Jefferson, five-star cornerback Tony Mitchell, and three-star safety Brayson Hubbard. Former Alabama quarterback A.J. McCarron tells the NFL Network he's ready to return to the NFL. And finally... Today is 65 days away from Alabama's kickoff against Utah State. This has been a Town Square Media Tide 100.9 sports update. Play it again! For more info on these stories and more, download the Tide 100.9 app. The puppies are here! Puppies everywhere! Tide 100.9 presents Movies in the Park. It all happens at Government Plaza on Saturday nights for free. Bring your lawn chairs, blankets, and coolers, but no alcohol. Food trucks will be on site. All brought to you by Pepsi, Tuscaloosa Tourism and Sports, and First Baptist Church of Tuscaloosa. This Saturday, July 2nd, featuring the movie 101 Dalmatians. Lucky, lucky, get down. We can't see. I'm hungry, mother. Cruella DeVille. She's gonna make coats out of us. I worship her. For more details and full movie line up swipe open the free tuscaloosa thread app hello this is martin houston with awakening and i want to invite you to join us this thursday june 30th at 6 30 for an intimate time of worship and powerful preaching awakening is a community-wide service with no church affiliation just a place where you can come worship god hear great preaching and fellowship with fellow believers this Thursday at the link 610 Watermelon Road or watch online at Empowerment Ministries on Facebook.
Edge. You've probably seen their clothing around town on game days, but check out Christopher Mobley on the Strip. It's luxury game day apparel redefined. It's the only place in town where you can find Todd Hoops apparel. Clothing designed for the modern day entrepreneur, golf enthusiast, and athleisure fanatic. They've got Peter Millar, Viore, Grayson, and Miz and Main. And if you haven't tried the Miz and Main dress shirts, you've got to. You can find them at 1410 University Boulevard on the Strip. Also, they've got a great e-commerce site at ChristopherMobley.shop. So check out Christopher Mobley, luxury game day apparel redefined. Follow off the edge on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube for live streams and instant analysis. Off the edge with Jacob Harrison continues. here on Off the Edge, Tide 100.9, your home for Alabama Crimson Tide Sports. So we went to, to break joking about Arch Manning because Jeff is trying to make the kid even more money than he's already worth in NIL incentives. And it kind of leads me to a question that I had kind of on the back burner yesterday in case the, the draft discussion didn't carry us all the way through. And it is kind of in line with today's theme of sorts about things that Alabama fans should and should not be worried about. What we've talked about early is whether or not we should be worried about the offensive line. Well, let's look at what's going on in Austin, Texas with a team that did sign Arch Manning. Now, recruiting rankings are nothing more than rankings, right? They don't insinuate anything they're like preseason top 25 polls they don't stand for much it's a projection of where things could wind up but i'm telling you right now just because notre dame ohio state texas clemson and penn state have the top five classes in that order right now according to 247 sports that does not mean that in 2025 that's going to be the ap poll top top five or the or four of the the teams in the playoffs when that day comes that's not what that means at all but it is worth looking at the trends of what texas has kind of become in a recruiting sense so you can right now they're third in the country Right, having signed three five stars, including the number one overall player, uh, as well as Derek Williams, who was a guy that chose Texas over Alabama. You've got something there if you're a Texas person to feel quite confident about. Last year, they finished with the fifth, uh, with the fifth ranked recruiting class, having signed two five star guys in 2021. 
15th. So you can kind of see that harsh kind of cutoff, right? Steve Sarkeesian's first recruiting class, it's still pretty good, kind of in line with where Texas had been. You know, Texas has fluctuated a lot between when they thought they were going to be back and when they haven't. They've taken that dip down to they're not back quite a bit, quite often. But if if we know what we know about Steve Sarkeesian, and we know that he is a good coach, at least when it comes to scheming offenses. That's, that's part of his job. What we didn't know when, when Sark went out to Texas was whether or not he was going to be a good head coach, be a good administrator, be a good CEO of a program, delegate properly, be given the resources to succeed. What I'm telling you is when Sark was hired, What did me, Fowler, Gary Harris, what did we all say? Callers included. What did everybody think out loud? If Sark gets into the program and is able to convince them to take their hands off the wheel and to let Sark do his job, Texas could be pretty dangerous down the future. Because what Sark is going to do, no matter what, whether those those suits let go of the steering wheel or not, what Sark is going to do is bring in elite quarterbacks and coach elite offenses and be a danger in that respect. It's a matter of whether or not he can be championship material if those guys, if those donors, if those boosters, if those folks that don't actually run the football program get out of his way and let him do his thing. And maybe a, a, a thought when it comes to the program that Alabama has to play in its second game of the 2022 season is that maybe that's happened. Maybe those guys are getting out of Sark's way. Maybe they're seeing a guy that is using its best athletes to best athlete to its full potential by John Robinson, and he's looking to be a top 15 pick next year despite being a running back. Maybe they see that now you have gotten two pristine quarterbacks on your roster with Quinn Ewers deciding to transfer back in-state and play and be the starting quarterback this season. And you've got Arch Manning in the pipeline to be the starting quarterback, most likely in 2024. That's a lot to feel really good about. And that's just because of Sark. Those two guys are not going to Texas without Sark, without a mind like Sark, right? Ewers probably stays at Ohio State. Maybe Arch does come to Alabama, or maybe Arch does go somewhere else. Maybe Arch has always wanted to go to Texas. Hard to rumor about that, but do you really want to go to Texas if it's not in your best interest for the future of your career and you're going to have to lose all the time? There's something there. I'm not saying Texas is back. Far from it. Horns down. All the way. And I'm not saying to be worried about Texas when the Crimson Tide heads over there to start the season. At at the start of the season. 
I'm just saying keep an eye on them. Because maybe Texas has figured out a way to comfortably transition into the SEC. Maybe Texas is on a solid path to not necessarily being back soon, but to being back. Maybe Texas has figured something out. I'm not saying they have. I'm not saying necessarily to be worried about them. Just think about it. Maybe what we said Sark needed has happened and that that team is on the right track. And if so, honestly, I think that's good for football. I think that's good for college football if Texas were to find a way. Because think about that. All right? It's fun to hate on Texas because they're just like their Cowboys, right? They think they're something that they aren't and have not been for a long, long time. But when they're good, it's good for the sport. When the Cowboys are good, it's good for the sport. It gives you that team to hate, and there's a reason to actually hate them in that moment. When it comes to Texas, it's been a long time. And it's been a long time coming. And coming into the SEC, if Texas can't figure out how to be a great to elite program again, those rivalries that are going to be blooming with Alabama, with Georgia, with Florida, with the SEC's elite, they're going to be a hell of a lot more fun. There's going to be a lot more fire behind those rivalries if Texas can keep up instead of just coming in here riding the coattails of Oklahoma. You know, if Alabama and Auburn left for another conference, would not Auburn be riding the coattails of Alabama? Yes. We, we come with their success. Texas doesn't want to be viewed that way. Texas doesn't want to be viewed as Oklahoma's little brother coming into the SEC. No, they don't. They don't want that. And I think maybe, honestly, they're putting in the work to avoid that. It's all quite interesting. We'll take one final break and come back and close down the show here on Off the Edge. Tied 100.9, your home for Alabama. Del Serving part-time in the Army National Guard has led to a lot of firsts for me. It paid for me to be the first person in my family to go to school. That education got me to the first day at my dream job, which I can still hold while I serve part-time. That job and the home loan benefits I got from the Army National Guard helped me buy my first house. I also know that I will be one of the first to respond if my community ever needs me. Sponsored by the Alabama Army National Guard. Aired by the Alabama Broadcasters Association and this state. COVID-19 has disrupted our lives but it won't have the last word. We will. Across Alabama, thousands are getting vaccinated to protect themselves and others. Find out where you can get the COVID vaccine today at alabamaunites.com. Please get vaccinated. If you have symptoms, also get tested for COVID-19. Alabama Unites Against COVID. Sponsored by the ADPH, the ABA, and this station. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. A mixture of clouds and sunshine this afternoon with scattered showers and storms around through the evening hours. The high today, 89. Tonight's low, 71. Tomorrow, partially sunny. Scattered showers and storms developing again by afternoon. The high, 88. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 82 degrees in Tuscaloosa. 
We aren't going anywhere. Off the Edge is available in the Podcast Center on Tide100.9.com. So does today become Rage Against the Machine Day, or is it yesterday? It's every day. It's every day. Okay. I knew that was going to be Mason Woods' response to that. I, I, I knew the second that Joe sent me a story this morning of a Canadian pop station that has been playing, and as far as I know, is still playing that song, uh, Killing in the Name of by Rage Against the Machine, for like the past 38 hours. It feels like, I think, it, I could be over-exaggerating just a tad, but just playing Rage Against the Machine over and over and over and over again, it's my kind of station. I could get used to that. You know what's even what's just as good about that, though, is like there's people that are calling in to the station, you know, which the, it's a form of protest. You're protesting, you're playing Rage Against the Machine. It makes sense, right? Uh, but it's basically the, the station is going through a... Uh, format change. So people are caught. So they fired two people and those two people just put rage on. Uh, and then they've got somebody that's still in the building that's in support of them. So they they keep playing it. Uh, and people are calling in requesting different music and they're not getting it. <laughs> they're not, they're not being given what they're asking for. And so, uh, rage against the machine all day on off the edge today as well. So it's a good fun show tomorrow. We'll do it all again. So join us at 11 a.m. The Jay Barker Show is up next here on Tide 100.9. For Kate Bagwell, for Mason Woods, for Joe Gaither, and everybody at Tide, I'm Jacob Harrison. See you tomorrow. Roll Tide.